Today's episode is brought to you by Handmade Rebellion. Are you a maker that does things a bit differently? Well, then welcome to the Handmade Rebellion. Proudly let the world know that you're a handmade rebel with modern apparel and accessories for sewists, quilters, knitters, and makers of all kinds. Use the code WALSHINAPS on handmaderebellion.com to save 15% off your next order with free domestic shipping over $35. Join the rebellion. Thank you so much, Handmade Rebellion. And now here's the show. episode 108 of the Walsh Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. I'm here in Houston, Texas at the George R. Brown Convention Center for Quilt Market 2017. And today we're talking about the state of the quilting industry. I have three guests, each of whom owns a quilt shop, and they're all joining me today. We have Janet Lutz, Karen Montgomery, and Chris Thurgood. Janet Lutz is the owner of Calico Gals, a quilt shop located in Syracuse, New York. Janet is also the founder of Row by Row Experience, a program which reaches over 3,000 quilt shops worldwide. Janet Lutz, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Karen Montgomery has owned The Quilt Company, a full-service brick-and-mortar quilt shop just outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, for 25 years. Industry insiders might know Karen from her savvy buying column published in Fab Shop News. Most recently, Karen has joined forces with Janet to create Soposium, a popular creative business retreat for shop owners. Karen Montgomery, welcome. Thank you for having me. Chris Thurgood is the owner of My Girlfriend's Quilt Shop located in Logan, Utah. Two years ago, she organized My Girlfriend's Quilt Shop as a franchise and is now opening a second location in Midway, Utah. Chris, along with her identical twin sister, Kim, have been featured on national television shows, including The Rachel Ray Show and The Nate Berkus Show. They co-hosted a weekly craft and sewing web show called The DIY Dish for several years as well. Chris Thurgood, welcome. Thanks. So I'm excited to talk with all of you, and I want to start things off with you, Janet. You own Row by Row, which is a very popular program that all quilt shops can take part in. So first, tell us how many brick and mortar quilt shops are there approximately in the United States? So we can kind of get a a sense of the size of Right, right. Everything that we have, and this is based on our numbers through row by row, our estimate is is right around 3,500, which is an incredibly impressive number of brick and mortar independent stores. And has that number changed over the time that you've been running this program or over the time that you've sort of known about that statistic? That number fluctuates. And every year we see stores closing for a variety of different reasons. And yet every year we also see stores opening for a variety of different reasons. I think the important thing to note here is that brick and mortar is alive and well, and even the large size internet companies are now opening brick and mortar stores because they know the importance of that. Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit then, maybe from all three of you, about the elements that do make a shop succeed. So you're saying that shops uh, that are brick and mortar shops are still successful and new ones are opening all the time. And so what is it, what are the qualities of a brick and mortar quilt shop that makes that shop a successful one that is thriving? So we'll start with you, Karen. Well, obviously um, selection, my key is education. 
I believe a brick and mortar quilt shop has the opportunity to educate their customers in a much different way than the internet or any place else can. It's more of a hands-on help that you can give them. So I think you have to have the education in the background so that you have the answers to the questions when they come in. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. I think really for the brick and mortar store to survive, it takes a lot of work, takes a lot of effort to, um, you know, invite people into your doors. Um, gone are the days that you could just have your door open and think that people were going to just come on in. Uh, it does take a lot of effort, but um, it's worth the effort if you can provide a good experience for your customer. Uh, experience um, as far as education, like Karen talked about, um, being able to have really great um, classes for your students to choose from, a variety of things for them to choose from, great demonstrations in the shop, um, a, an opportunity to welcome everyone, whether they've been quilting for years or if they're brand new, young or old, uh, you need to be able to welcome everyone. I think it's interesting that if you ask a lot of shop owners what sets their shop apart from others, they will usually answer with the words customer service. And yet when we look at that, neither one of these two women said customer service when they talked about it as what one of the important things. More important than customer service is actually passion. And passionate employees are the key to that. Every person that talks to the customer that walks in, your store has to be passionate about what they're doing. They have to be passionate about the business that they work for. So I think a key piece is hiring the right people to work in your store. All right, let's, let's turn a little bit to uh, manufacturers, specifically talking about fabric manufacturers and how they do business with quilt shops currently. So um, I know you, know you work with lots of different manufacturers and how would you just describe overall your relationship with fabric manufacturers? Would you say it's collab collaborative? Would you describe it as sometimes aggravating or, or, or what would you, how would you characterize it? Yes, yes, yes. yes. I know. I say, <laughs> you can say all of the above. Well, it depends on, you know, what you put into that relationship as well. It could be a very, you know, uh, just a wonderful relationship depending on, you know, how, open you are to what they have and, and they are to you and they're listening to you. If they're listening to you as a customer, because ultimately we are their customer, um, then it can be a very good relationship of being able to, you know, just to understand where they're coming from and, and vice versa. Um, but yeah, it can, and sometimes it can be aggravating, but really it, ultimately it can be very positive, um, you know, relationship to, to move your business forward. I think it's easy to have an excellent relationship with our vendors, but I do think that there's a, a bend in the industry right now that the they tend to pay more attention to social media people than they do to shop owners. We're in front of our customers every single day. We know what our customers are asking for. We know what we can sell. So I feel like we're a better resource for certain things than people with blogs or, or the hot new designer. Um, I always have a, and it's, I would, I always say the new designers and I, that's not by age, but that's people that are new to the fabric industry. Um, they all tend to design on computers. And so we see a lot of one way designs. Um, they don't, they don't sew, uh, they're artists. 
so they don't cut it up and put it together with other things. It's very directional. Yeah, so mm -hmm. we see a lot of directional fabrics or we see a lot of prints that once you've cut them up, you can't tell them apart. So I, I always, I would say, would you please hire a quilter to look at these before you make those final decisions? Somebody needs to take a look at them and choose what is going to work in the final projects rather than what looks good just on a strike off. Mm -hmm. I think that's so true. Uh, the companies that I work with best are companies that really are connected to the quilt shops and to the end consumer. Um, right. And, and that's where we, we really like to focus our business. Of course, that relationship the personal relationship is important too, but those that really get what we're doing are the ones that we're looking to work with. Mm -hmm. And when you said earlier around, they're sort of focused on bloggers or on people with big social media presences, do you mean that they're selecting those designers based on their sort of marketing partnership opportunities, meaning they have a large following and they think that will help to sell the fabric or do you I mean something so. different from I that? I think so, definitely. Okay. Yes. Right. That can be good. Yes. That's not necessarily totally bad. Oh, it but could we definitely need, we be part of the marketing package. It should be. It should be yes. um, part of the marketing package, but it shouldn't necessarily be the deciding factor, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about um, fabric manufacturers when it comes to um, small businesses who want to begin wholesaling. So I'm thinking about Etsy shops, for example, who want to start, who want to open a wholesale account and start buying fabric wholesale, or even, you know, these sort of underground kind of Facebook group kind of shops that aren't really shops, but, um, you know, so the, the bar to, I was surprised when I did the research to find out that the bar to setting up a wholesale account with a fabric manufacturer is actually quite low. You yes. essentially yeah. need mm -hmm. a home address, an address, which can be a home address, mm -hmm. let's say that. You mm -hmm. need a URL, which really can be an Etsy shop, which you can set up in just a moment with no money down. Mm -hmm. um, and you need about $1,000. And really, it sometimes is less than that. Sometimes it's a little bit more, but right. basically that's the upfront cost. And um, that's pretty low bar, really, to get started as a fabric store. I um, think it needs to be higher. I really do. If if just anyone can can purchase for such a a low entry, uh, then you're you really devalue your product because then it just anybody and everybody can can sell it, and I I think it devalues the product personally. Mm -hmm. We've always in it, things have evolved in the almost twenty five years we've had our store, but we've always had a policy where if you have that kind of an Etsy shop, you can buy from me and we give them a discount. It's not wholesale, but it's a discount on their thing, but they have to have a sales tax license. They have to have, a, and even if they're making things that they're selling at craft shows, you know, used to be the big thing to do. If you have a resale license, I, I can be your supplier. Um, I do appreciate that several of our distributors have raised their limit and you have to, not only do you have to meet that more strict minimum, but you have to maintain it year after year to keep the account open or they'll close your account. It can't be a one and done kind of a thing. But I do think those minimums need to be higher. Nobody can open a store, you know. $1,000. Yeah. Yeah. But then when you're talking about, you know, if you had 50000 to open your store and you had to spread it amongst all of the manufacturers, you'd have to narrow your focus to be able to hit higher minimums with a lot of people if you established it as a in the right. thousands. So there's a balance there between yeah. sort of raising the bar high enough so that you're only really welcoming in kind of legitimate concerns in some way, but mm -hmm. at, at the same time sort of not discouraging entrepreneurship right. and getting, you know, people who may not have the funds to sink in 
so much at the start, but are driven and really want to make this work and need a break. You right. Know? And I think the real answer to all this is what you touched on, Karen. It's, it's what's going to happen in the long term. So maybe they are, they are just starting out and they need that break. And that was all of us at one point. And we didn't maybe have a lot of money to put into this. And we, we had to sink our life savings into it. And it was a low minimum. But then where does it go from there? And so the manufacturers that say, yes, OK, you need this minimum, but we need this every year. It's not just your one-time thing. They have to show some longevity here too. Should there be a, a, a rule where you can't below, sell below, you know, suggested retail price for a period of time, like ninety oh, days, have, or no? I have trouble with that. I mean, price fixing is always yeah, you an issue. Be able to right. do that. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to do that. No, no. I mean, that's it, just it'd be nice. It's just yeah, it would be nice, <laughs> but I mean. That's just going to be survival of the fittest. If you're yeah. going to sell below a price, you're not going to make money. And so you're not going to be a, a savvy business person mm -hmm. over time. Yeah. Exactly. Fall off. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And let's talk. Um, I know maybe two years ago, maybe a little longer, every sort of the buzz was about mass drop. There was a lot of concern about mass drop. Everybody was worried about them. And for people who aren't uh, familiar with what mass drop is, it's basically a group buying site where they're going to go in at sort of wholesale prices and um, buy a whole lot of something that, you know, a group all agrees that they want and then divvy up among them. And I feel like over time, maybe that's become mass drop sort of the threat has reduced perhaps. Maybe I'm wrong. So just talk a little bit about, about your oppression. I never hear about it anymore. I really, I really don't. don't so if, it, if that did become a buying trend and if everyone's doing it, I'm really out of the loop yeah. because I don't, hear, I don't hear about it anymore either. But that whole, the all of the online, the big internet um, retailers in mm -hmm. the fabric and that, I look at, we belong to the same industry. We're just different fingers of the same, mm -hmm. on that same hand. Um, they do what they do and they do it well and that's fine, but I do what I do and I do it pretty well as well. And we have, there's a lot of customers out there and they need different things. Right. There are things that they can provide. Um, if you want to shop at midnight or 2 a.m. in your pajamas, then I'm glad they're there because uh, I, I don't have that kind of an internet presence. But if you need help and you need someone to come in, I, I'm that person. So yeah. If you want to take a class in person, you want me to be able to answer your questions and things like that, then I'm the go-to person. If you want to be able to touch and feel, and we're in a very touch and feely industry, I, mm -hmm. I have that. They'll never well, match that. And, and, <laughs> exactly. And, and you have to think about it as, you know, the, the mass drop or, or some others that might be out there, it's one item. You know, it's one item at a time. It's, it's not your everything that you have to offer. So you really have to think about, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to play my own game and I'm going to do the very best I know how to do because if I focus on all those other things that are, you know, the things that are out of my control that I cannot control, then I'm not focusing on my own business mm -hmm. and being able to help my business succeed. We can always look at everything around us and go, oh, but you know, there's no way I can compete against this or that. Well, you know what? It's, it's just the way it is. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot we can do about that. So my whole focus has always been, you know what? I'm, I'm going to play my own game and I'm going to do what I have control over. And that is my own business. I've always been inspired by Chris because she always says, stay in your own lane. Yes. <laughs> stay in your own lane. That's right. That's great advice for any business, no matter what business yeah, you own. Just focus on what you can. Right. And yeah. what about fabric.com? Thoughts about fabric.com? Same you know, deal same, that we just spoke same about. Same kind of thing, you know, it's whatever. 
you, you know, I, you can. what and what I understand is really, and I, I'm sure we'll probably talk about this a little bit, but it's hard to make money just being an internet, an online store too. Yeah. You know, I, I touched on that a little bit when I said that the, the big internet stores are, are being forced to open brick and mortar stores to really serve the customers in, yeah. in that way. So it's, it works both ways. We're their competition well, too. The, the yeah. truth is, would we like to put a lot of restrictions on them? Sure we would. But then, you know, that means they should be allowed to put a lot of restrictions on us. And I don't want that to happen. Yeah. So turnabout's fair play. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. So the three of you are here at Quilt Market. And how many staff members did each of you bring with you? I brought, uh, of course, for row by row experience, I have more staff members. But for my store, I have uh, one staff member. My store manager is here with me shopping for my store. Yeah, one for me. Absolutely none for me. Just, just you. <laughs> just me. Okay. Um, and how much would you say, if you had to give an estimate of how much it's costing your shop to be here for the weekend, as far as just the money is concerned, how much does it cost to, to get here and do this? You're talking about travel and... Yeah, just give me an estimate of how much it costs yeah. to do this. We were just figuring that out just before your podcast, and I was trying to think. And it, it, for me, it, you know, I looked at the hotel and the airfare coming from the other yeah. side of the country, and and added up, you know, the salary of the employee and all those kinds of things. It's really two thousand dollars. It really, when I stuck yeah. it there, it could be a little less at depending least. on where market is, but it does add up. So you got to think about that. It, yeah. it definitely adds it's, up. Yeah. Yes, it, it's a good fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. So that's just for one person. Just for one yeah. person. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So second person sharing the room, and, and, and the flights and meals. And, I oh, absolutely, it. we're all here, it's right? Mm-hmm. And do you come to every market? Do you always yes. come fall and spring? Every yes. market. Yes. Every, every market. market. So all three of you come yes. to every market absolutely. fall and spring. And so, what motivates you? Why is it worth the let's say two thousand dollars that it costs to do this? Like you're you're all nodding that you know you wouldn't yep. miss it. So right. what are the qualities? Well, that the truth you is, we're miss? sitting with two of them. Right, <laughs> <laughs> so like friends it's and colleagues. It's the networking. Oh that yes, absolutely. Um, That's the networking. It's the okay. networking that happens between, I always say I learn more in the line to the ladies room um, or in the shuttle on the way to the airport or whatever than I, I generally do at market. It, so um, Schoolhouse is great yes. for getting information and stuff like that, but it's the time that we spend saying what's selling in your store, what are you doing, I, you know, here's my problem, how can you help me solve this. That's, or even what did you see? We yes. all we all can't walk yeah, the show and see, see it the right. same way. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we, that's usually the first thing we say to each other. Mm-hmm. Would you see good today? Right. Did you see anything new? Did you see yeah. anything different? So so if you have ten friends, it's like having another ten sets of eyes yeah. on the floor that yeah. help you track that but, down. You know, I think it's also important that your customers know that you have made a commitment to them that I am going to go to this trade show and 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 this is to benefit you as well. So when I come back, you know, look at all these great things that I'm going to be able to share with you and the things I've learned. And I think our customers can appreciate that we do make that bit of a sacrifice to be able to find out what is on the cutting edge of the quilt industry. And as you know, it's important for us to always be learning and to never be satisfied with the status quo and say, oh, well, I think I've been a shop owner for this many years, so I know everything there is to need to know about it. Karen was saying this morning in your class, you've been to 52 Quilt markets now. I mean, that's yep. that's crazy. <laughs> it is you crazy. Know? It's kind of crazy. She, of anyone, could say sit here and say, "I know there. That I know everything that there's to need to know." I, you know, 
No, it's like I've attended your classes before at past quilt markets, and I still attend your classes because there are always new things to learn. So it's a good, a good standard to set is just to say to yourself, you know what? There's always going to be something new. You to hear learn. shop owners say, "I can't afford to attend." And in my opinion, you can't afford not to attend because if your business is growing, it's always changing. Exactly. And so every time you come, you're looking for something new and different because you're in a different space in your business. Yep. You have new customers who are coming in all the time and you have old customers who need to learn something new. You know? <laughs> That's right. It really, you know, I think to, to stay a thriving business, you can only stay go so far and then you've hit the ceiling and it's time to plow through that ceiling and keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. So this is the way to do it. Is by it going really does recharge market. our batteries. Yeah. But there's a lot of other values too. Of course, there's the op obvious, the shopping, you know, mm -hmm. that we get to mm -hmm. shop. But it was, I was looking over my list of things that, and I had quite a few great things and it's a way that we can also do a comparison of products right there face to face with sure. them. Right now, how we find out about products is usually we get an email from a designer mm -hmm. or a company saying, hey, here's a new ruler, here's a new pattern, here's something new, 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 new. And our inbox is full of new, 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 new. When we're here, we actually get to touch it, mm -hmm. learn about it. We look for demonstrations that we're gonna turn around, at classes that we're gonna offer in our stores, events. We get to talk face-to-face -face with designers or special educators that we can bring into our stores. I want to take a minute now to talk with our sponsor, Miranda from Handmade Rebellion. Hi, I'm Miranda and uh, I have Handmade Rebellion. Handmade Rebellion is a t-shirt company. Uh, it's modern designs for makers and they can feel more like a community. It's more subversive designs uh, and it kind of is for, for the lady who doesn't mind uh, lipping off a little bit. <laughs> We offer designs for knitters and crocheters, as well as quilters and sewists alike. And how did you first get into sort of making subversive t-shirts for crafters? So I know I wanted kind of an edgier take on, but still be part of this community um, and kind of be able to uh, pick somebody out of the crowd and know that they are part of my tribe was kind of how, how it all started. Right. Okay, cool. And um, so tell us like some of the most popular, you know, designs. You can just maybe just describe what this shirt says or what it looks like. One of my personal favorites, and it seems to be everybody else's too, is um, the handmade knuckles tattoos. Um, and basically it's just got a smattering of different tools that you would use in pretty much any craft. Uh, and it's got handmade uh tattooed on their knuckles little fists yes and does it come in pink i think it does it does yes yeah. so i bought one from you for my daughter and you were i think you had um a table at quiltcon yes and so i bought one for you for my daughter at quiltcon my oldest daughter who's 13 and is super subversive and also super into handmade and she loves awesome. it she wore it to school this <laughs> week actually oh cool Yes. Yeah. And I agree with you that it's sort of like you can, you know, pick someone out from the crowd if they're wearing something like this. Uh-huh. So handmaderebellion.com uh, is my main website and I'll be at QuiltCon again next year. Um, so there's free shipping over 35 on all domestic orders, as well as a discount code for 15%. 
uh, using the code while she naps. Thank you so much, Miranda. And now back to my conversation at Quilt Market. Well, it's important to be able to say in my store because education is huge. Mm-hmm. That's that's to me. And even with the basics, it's important to be able to say, well, at market, I stood in front of yeah. whomever and I asked them that same question and this is what they told me. Mm-hmm. And so I can, I have authority because I've spoken to the designer. Mm-hmm. I've talked to the manufacturers. I've asked them those questions. Uh, I always say, you know, if you're a quilt shop owner and you're thinking about changing thread brands, go to market, mm-hmm. but go to every sewing machine manufacturer and ask them what brand of thread you should use in their machines. You know, like you have, it's you don't necessarily have to talk to the person who makes that thing. You've got the whole marketplace here. Market full of experts. Yes, to be able to pick the brains of. You know, if we hope that our customers will come in because we offer that touch and feel experience and that education, then I would hope that we would, we're the customers of our vendors, we would do the same thing. We would come to market and to touch, to feel, to experience, to learn. Same, same concept, same idea. And has, sorry, has consumer awareness of quilt market increased over time? So my feeling is that um, from my perspective, because you can now sort of watch market unfold online, um, maybe five, eight years ago, that wasn't the case. Um, and so now as a, as a consumer, I can see everything happening. And I just wonder, what, has, has that changed how people talk to you about Products. I think our customers are excited yes, to know that absolutely. we're going to market absolutely. too. And I think it makes a difference in our store when we think about competitors who don't go to market. Mm-hmm. Our customers are pretty savvy about that yeah, too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they're seeing that you go. Yeah. The, yes. Well, they're they're following on social media, you know, uh, des- not only designers, vendors, but, um, you know, shop owners are posting pictures from Quilt Market. So now they have come to expect that, you know, uh, okay, my my quilt shop owner is there as well. I can't wait to hear what he or she has to say when they come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's been a shift. So, mm-hmm. um, so they changed the credentials here at Quilt Market a couple of years ago, making it sort of somewhat more difficult, I guess, to come uh, to the show if you weren't uh, officially uh, in the trade, let's say, or by their definition. So did that make it palpably easier to do business or... Um, or not? Or did, did you feel any effect of that change when, you know, you, Karen, you've been to so many quilt markets, just how it changed when that happened? To, to do business? Um, I don't think. Um, there is a definitely a different feel on the floor. Um, you have that little excited frenzy feel when things are, the aisles are more crowded. And so I think a lot of us miss that because it's an energy to it. But I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing because you're not shopping alongside your customers. And especially for you, <laughs> too, well, because you Quilt Market's it. been in Pittsburgh yeah. and yeah. Quilt Market's been in Salt Lake City. Yeah. So you guys have basically had Quilt Market in your hometown. Sure. So yes. I haven't, mm-hmm. but I understand the challenges of that. Yeah, yeah. so it's there's um, – I, I, I appreciate the new credentials, I, that you have to be here, you have to be somebody that is that. But – I was all, I mean, even when there were more people here, I was able to get done what I needed to get done. That was never a problem, yeah. but it would, but it does make the atmosphere changed. So now Very the true. shopping experience is different. 
because there's just less bodies who are less in the aisle, enthusiast, yes. enthusiastic, mm -hmm. exactly. or just less of that. And so yes, therefore yeah. it feels a little quieter and that can be a little professional, but it can also maybe be a little more demoralizing it kind of, or something like that. Both well, ways. in a sense it could, it could make people believe that quilt market or you know, the quilt industry is dying or, or, you know, something like that, but that's not, not true at all. No. Yeah. no. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there anything that Quilts Inc. could do to make this show even more worth your while? Well, they've done some new things this year. Mm -hmm. they, they, they have Demo exciting. Alley where they have people yeah. demonstrating. Well, we'll find out about that. That's yeah. Yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. 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 tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. We're recording this on Friday, so it hasn't yeah. started. And they have a new uh, sort of networking social event called Wind Down on Sunday evening. Mm -hmm. um, but what is there anything else that you can think of that could take place here that doesn't now that would make this even better, even for you or for other shop owners that you know about? For me, I think uh, it's not necessarily with quilts, uh, the, the show itself, but with our vendors, I would love it if they would add more show specials or incentives to get shop owners here, because I know that I could go back and I would see all of my reps all of my reps come and see me. I could order the very same themes and not even have to attend market. And perhaps maybe our numbers would be up higher at quilt market attendees if there were some special incentives from our vendors for those who attend the show. Right. I've, I've been kind of preaching that for quite a few years <laughs> because if I pay my nickel to get here, why I should be entitled to something that I can't get only be, the only reason I get it is because I'm here. So like my reps, when I've questioned fabric companies, they've said, well, you know, so-and-so couldn't attend because they had a wedding or because they had a this or they had a that. Well, I hope they had a lovely time, but it didn't, they didn't put out $2,000 <laughs> to come to the booth. And I don't think since they've changed the credentials, the people I've talked to in the industry said their sales haven't really changed at market. Although there is sort of a, um, well, I'm going to go see what everything is, and then I'll order it at home now because there isn't an incentive to order it here. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true of me. I do the same thing. There's not yes. an incentive, yeah. and there's not an incentive to stand in line for sample spree, trample spree, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. And then the company is just, you know, two weeks later they put it online that you can get the same stuff. You know, I just think there should be some extra incentives to reward you know, people who make the effort to, to come. Should you go to Sample Spring? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I always, I always find it interesting if you search around on Instagram right after Sample Spring, yeah. people put everything they bought uh -huh. for sale on Instagram. You just comment and boom, PayPal yeah. invoice, and they'll just send, ship it right to you from the show, <laughs> which is a phenomenon in and of itself. Yes, so. Let's talk now about Craftsy. So Craftsy, we all are familiar with Craftsy, I think, um, if you're listening to this podcast. So Craftsy sells fabric from a lot of different manufacturers, not all of them, but many. And now they have their own lines of fabric and yarn as well that they're manufacturing themselves. Boundless is one of their brands. And Craftsy has courses, um, online courses, uh, which everyone is familiar with, with all of these great quilting teachers. So Talk about your perspective on Craftsy. Is Craftsy helping your business? Is Craftsy hurting your business or having no effect on your business? And has your feeling toward Craftsy shifted over the years? 
Well, maybe my head's in the sand, but and maybe I'm just doing a good job staying in my own lane. But my classes are really full. We, you know, we're we're doing really, really well. And again, I think I go back to I've hired great teachers who are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Karen's focused on the education, and I'm focusing on the fun in my store. And I think that's what our customers are looking for too. So I have to believe that my customers, yes, I hear them talk about it that they are also taking craftsy classes. But wow, they're way more fun at Calico Gales. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. I'm focusing on what you I can know, do better. Yeah. And that's how yeah. I compete with them. I believe yeah. that they are. How it's totally affected my bottom line, I honestly can't say. I don't know if you guys have a better bottom that. I do hear other shop owners say, oh, I can't I can't get people in my classes because everybody's taking them on no, craftsy. Think and I'm so. thinking, I'm not having that issue. I, I, I'm not I having think, that issue I either. don't think so either. I, I think there's room for it all, you know. And actually... You know, despite what some may think out there that Craftsy has, you know, not been a good thing for the industry because uh, they're offering classes online, so no one's coming into the stores to take classes. I don't agree with that because I think perhaps it's been a good thing for our industry because it's gotten more attention to the world of quilting that may have not otherwise been there. So when you think about it that way, you look at it with a different perspective, you look at the big picture, Mm -hmm. the big picture tells me that the more classes that are out there online, the better it is for my shop because it educates everyone and it gets to a consumer that might not have otherwise come into a quilt shop. So, you know, when you you look at it that way, you have Mm -hmm. to say perhaps it has helped raise the industry because it's it's out there more. I think our customer base has on a a specific level. There are people we deal with people who want to be creative. Some people just need a creative fix and Craftsy markets that for them. Some people have small children and they can't get out and to the cost of the class plus a babysitter. Craftsy meets a need, but there's also a social aspect to ours, and we're on the end of the spectrum that meets that need. My customers that have been taking classes for me and have been in our club programs, they become friends. They become lunch buddies. It's a totally different thing that Craftsy can't provide, ever, will not ever be able to reach that. So we meet different needs at different times of people's lives. So I don't think that they hurt my business in the same way. I do appreciate the fact that some of the fabric manufacturers have backed away from them because of the deep discounting that went on. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I understand, the reason that some of them have backed away is because now they have their own lines. They see them as competition, not as a uh, source. So I, I respect those vendors for making that decision, and I appreciate that. But I wouldn't force them to do it because, once again, you know, has <laughs> everybody to has to run way. their business yeah. the way they see fit. Yeah. And I know for me, if I were to take a class on Craftsy with a national instructor and then that national instructor, which I realize is quite expensive to be, bring an instructor like that into your shop, it's a big investment. But if that person were to come to my local shop, I wouldn't be less inclined to take a class with them. I would be more inclined That's to take true. a class with them because I would come in and say, I took your class on Craftsy and now I get to be with you in person. So I actually think it works that way instead. Right. I think that's a good point because you might not even know who that person was if you hadn't seen them on Craftsy. Yeah. And now to have the opportunity to have them look at my project while I'm working and help me pick my colors, there's nothing better, right? They become like a celebrity 
versus, yeah, right. absolutely. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about e-commerce. So Rapid Fire, Janet, does your shop have e-commerce? Uh, yes, we do have an online shopping cart. It is very limited. It is, it is not, it's not the major focus of my business, but we do have that. A lot of it is convenience for our customer. And we do have some online shopping events that are very popular that we do through our store. Like what? Um, like in the Christmas time, we do what we call bag your booty. A lot of stores do something different than that, but it's a one week shopping spree with special deals all year, all week long. Oh, extremely popular in our store. Right now we're doing uh, one of the row by row events called Wooly Block Adventure. And those are all well, we're selling wool blocks to consumers around the world, basically. And that's okay. really popular. That and those are online. Online. Yep, it's online. Okay. It's online and in store, yeah, but um, right now the online piece of that is really good. Okay. Mm -hmm. What about you, Chris? Yeah, we sure do. Uh, you know, I think it's important that you you do both. Um, we don't have a, you know everything online. It would be nearly impossible for us to do that uh, at this time with you know the infrastructure we have is just not all there. But I, what I have found is that online has been a, a beautiful venue for us to um, showcase our classes and our events that people sign up, you know, at midnight to be able to sign up for those things. They don't have to wait to come in the store to do that. We, um, so we do a lot of online signups that way. As far as product goes, I have found that we don't sell a lot of fabric just because I can't afford to discount like what you find out there for fabric on Etsy shops or, or elsewhere. But what we do well with is kits because kits is where what can differentiate our shop from other online shops. So if you can focus on those things that are differentiators that you don't have to do the deep discounts, then that is where it's at for us. On, on the differentiation, um, my website consists primarily of all things that I've designed. So it's a limited selection of stuff and it's, they expect to see what I've done. So I don't put all my fabric online. I don't put that. It's, it's a convenience, um, more of a convenience website. It's not, I'm not going after internet sales in the same way, uh -huh. but, um, like what Chris does to be able to sign up online, we do, um, more than our website. We do a lot more Facebook. My customers are more Facebook oriented, social media kind of an oriented rather than to go onto the website and do something. They'll come into the store rather than do that. So we do that. But one thing that Chris didn't mention, Chris has an app for her store oh. <laughs> that I love. I'm, I lust after Chris's uh. app for her store. What does your app do? Uh, well, you know, you can, you can find out what classes are coming up and be able to pull up what materials you need for it. But uh, it also has a quilt calculator on it, which is a big deal for us because we wanted to add value instead of just having it be a place to shop that people could use it as a quilt calculator. So you can find out stuff like that. What else do I have on there? I don't know. There's a puzzle. There's a puzzle. Oh, there's yeah. A puzzle. So it's so in the morning when so, you're having a so it's information and it is fun. And fun. Okay. Information and fun. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So Cloud9 uh, made an announcement at this quilt market that they're expanding. I don't know if you saw this yet from uh, just, fat, you know, they do organic fabric, but now they are um, adding yarn. So oh. they have Cloud9 fibers, which is going to be 
uh, a yarn line as well. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's a, the quilt shop that's closest to me uh, is Gather Here in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and they are both a quilt shop and a yarn shop. So is adding yarn, I think of Fancy Tiger as well in Denver, their quilt shop and a yarn shop. What about adding yarn? Is that a good thing, a bad thing, your thing, not your thing? It's a different thing. Yeah. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. It's and um, we also the three of us also sell sewing machines in our yes. stores, and that's a different thing yes. too. I think mm -hmm. it's important that quilt shops diversify. I really do feel that. I think it's very difficult for a quilt shop to make a good living just selling fabric. Right. It's it's difficult. We there's some that do it and they do a great job at it, yeah. but. Um, part of a success of my story has been that I have been able to diversify and there's only so many ways you can spread your fingers and you have to decide what you're good at. I mentioned passionate employees and what you have in talent too that yeah. is going to sell it. So maybe someday I might carry learn <laughs> if I had some employees who were really good at it yes. and really excited, they would get our customers excited about yeah. it. And I would definitely have it. And you can't just have it. it. You can't, have it. Yeah. You can't no. just, you can't just have anything. You right. have to, you have right. to have that. You are starting a second business right. or yes. in our case, or a third, third business because we already have the, machines. Yeah. We're already yeah. running two. You know, mm -hmm. as far as like the fiber arts go, I think it's definitely a growing industry part side of the industry but for our shop um, we just haven't had customers ask about the yarn so but we have customers who love wool so wool is an area that our shop has really expanded in greatly more than yarn but if we had customers who were really looking for it and wanting that you know I, it's something I would definitely consider but I'd have to wait I'd have to really take a good look at that because you're taking up, you know, yarn doesn't take up a lot of space, but if you're going to be a yarn shop, like be a yarn shop, you know, do it well, <laughs> right? do it well, you know. Do I don't think you well. can just dabble in yarn. No, no, you've no. got to, you've got to. But I am interested in the cloud nine. So, I do want to go buy their booth and yes. see what it's about. <laughs> yeah, well, I saw it on Instagram, so there you go. So let's talk a little bit about selling machines because that's actually not something I know much about at all. So um, talk about maybe the risks, the benefits, sort of, what it is, what 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 it is to sell sewing machines as well as well, the fabric. big benefit is it's a higher ticket item. Yes. So when you you sell one sewing machine, that's a lot of fat quarters. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. I always think about it as you have your you have your teaspoons, you have your measuring cups, and you have your buckets. Right. Yes, so you right. need some buckets. We yeah. do need some buckets, but it's yeah. also the product that feeds the other products. Yes. So if someone owns a sewing machine and they've invested in a nice sewing machine, you know they're probably going to be investing in the classes, they're going to be buying more fabrics and threads and patterns and getting more involved. So it, it feeds the others too. So there's a couple benefits of sewing machines. Of course, we all know there's some big drawbacks to just adding machines, and a lot of that has to do with the staffing yeah. and the inventory. It's, it, it costs money to buy these machines. And well, and, and the business model. Um, many of us are independent shop owners because we think like Oh, independent I love this. shop owners. I know where she's going. <laughs> what, is, what does that mean, Karen? Um, so, so we're independent people. And we like doing things our own way, and we know what's best for our store. And then you link yourself to a company who has a set of rules and regulations and wants things done a specific quotas. way. They have quotas. They have price um, map pricing. They have whatever words you can't say. I'm like I'm the brand that I'm with. I cannot say I have the lowest prices in town. You can't. There's certain things, there's major restrictions. So it's running a totally separate business from what my quilt business is. So you have to think differently about it. And then 
when you saw, you can sell somebody a, a pattern and a yard of fabric and they can go home and make their own project. When you sell a sewing machine, there's support that has to go with it. Yes. And then not only is there support, but now there's technology support that has to go with it. And so it's it's a much, much it's deeper sale. And yeah. continued education. Yeah. We yes. all have to travel every mm-hmm. year and go to classes and, and educate yeah. our staff and send them to classes every new yes. little piece of technology. You have to send somebody and get it, them. It's a big investment it is. money-wise, but also just time-wise and Floor space. Floor yes. space. Floor real estate. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Repairs. But you don't have to, like, I don't ever have to repair anyone's table runner. That's right. You know, but, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes. Do you offer machine repair in your yes. shop? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Full-time tech? Yeah. yeah. You have to have a full-time mm-hmm. tech to do that. Yep. But it's a very good business. Yes. It really it is. is. It's but a wonderful it's, business. It's just it different. And that goes back to bringing in yarn. Just because you brought in yarn doesn't mean right. you're going to be a great yarn shop. You right. need to have that staffed people that understand the language and can speak to the customers and know how to create the samples. So it's another right. whole another business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's worthwhile for a quilt shop who right now doesn't do it to think about doing it. Absolutely. I mm-hmm. think it would be easier to bring in yarn than machines. <laughs> yes, it would be. I do too. I do too. But if, if you, you were committed, however, but if you were committed, it's easier to make money selling machines. Than yes, it is selling true. Them. Yes, uh-huh. true. Right, because it's a yeah. bigger ticket yeah. item. Yes. Right. But it takes a large commitment. Floor space, as you said, real estate. And, and several of us. Several, like I, I, I work with two machine companies because I have a long arm company and a regular machine company. So that's, that's really two separate bosses I have in addition yes. to. <laughs> right. And for those of us, as you were saying, who like to be our own boss, mm-hmm. that can be a little chafing against uh, other exactly. people's roles. Exactly. Right. Right. No, I understand that. Um, so let's just talk about sort of the future of fabric. Um, I don't think this is going to happen. And from the fabric companies that I've talked to, they'll say, we've discussed it, but we're not going to do it. That's kind of the word on the street around fabric companies selling direct to consumer. So now, you know, fabric companies have that brand recognition, right? You know, from a consumer, I think there was a time when you would walk into a quilt shop and it would be just fabric. But now you know Tula Pink fabric. You know, do you see what I'm saying? You have a very strong identification with a designer and with a brand of fabric. And so with that and the ability to do, to cut pre-cuts and things like that, there's some potential possible threat of a fabric company saying, well, we'll just sell directly to them because they know who we are. They'll come to our site. They, we have 100,000 people on, on Instagram following us. It would take two seconds and then it's, you know, well, I, they, they, would, they would lose a 3,500 quilt shop. Yeah. That sell their, their and so they'll say it may be worth it to them. It may be worth it to them or it may not. I think it would be, would be crazy for them to do that. You are... Uh, completely breaking up the chain, yeah. the healthy chain. And in order to have a healthy industry, there is a there's a chain there. And the quilt shop is part of that. And so. it's naive to think that it would take two seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it's a because lot of work. retail is totally different. Yes. And, I mean, they'd have to deal with sales tax and returns and shipping. And, I, I think and, that it could happen and the company could be successful, but they would have to throw a lot of money into that pot to make it good, to have that whole vertical chain where yeah. they would be covering that retail piece and the Mac manufacturing. Yeah. And they, I really feel that I they'd think, probably have to go brick and mortar, that they I, couldn't just do it online. There are some that already do that. 
some smaller ones, but if it was a big one of our big major companies and decided to go directly to consumers, they're going to have to also support a brick and mortar store, maybe of their own. And well, like, like be a single flagship store, like uh, a New York City maybe, store, or a, whoa, yeah, or I don't know. I don't it's know. In interesting concepts, yeah. or maybe smaller yeah. stores spread out, a chain. I think it's almost. Uh, it I, I can't see it being real feasible. I prefer that you not give them any good ideas. <laughs> 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 She's got too smart of a business brain. She starts thinking, how can I make this work? No, it's almost, that's almost a desperate move, I think. You think so? Yes. It I may do. be our future. No. Okay, it's a long no, no. ways away. Yeah. Karen, relax. It's okay. I really don't. No, I really don't. I don't think it is. I don't think because it is. Because I don't either. I don't think it is. The either. very first thing either. you said is true. I mean, they would lose every quilt shop they currently have. Yes. But if they had a way to replace that, but then but they'd have of, to replace it with some brick and mortar. But then most of our major most of our major companies also have sales reps that are on, so they would have to dissolve that entire. Right. That could be a good you know, thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I like that. It's a different. <laughs> no, I agree. I'm not talking about it could be good for us. It would be good for them. I'm putting. Oh, I'm it looking could be. from the eyes of the for them, they would cut costs because yeah. they would cut out all okay. of these. Okay, so it's a totally once, different once model. It's once again, Janet. Control yourself. All right. What about <laughs> what about um, digital? So you know, we're seeing more digital fabric printing. Um, we've seen spoon flower for a long time. And what happens when the technology gets to the point that it's cheap enough and efficient enough to print small batches digitally domestically? So I'm thinking about Hawthorne Threads, which is an online shop, right? So they have invested in digital fabric printing and they have exclusive digitally printed fabric lines that their shop creates and sells. So is that in some way part of the future? Or, yes, I or... think we're on the brink of it. Okay. In what way? Um, I think we're going to see more and more companies going digital. I mean, they're all adding digital to their lines now, right. but their commitment to 3000 yards and multiple colors and things like that, the investment in the technology would probably outweigh in many, you know, that's where they're floating that if we just made this investment, would it be easier for us to have not have to make those other investments? And it would be that they have more control in-house and they'd be able to do more custom work. Yeah, I mean you would you would be able to get some great, beautiful colors and patterns and the quality is really the, cool. You know, the, yeah. And if you could get your costs down, that'd be fantastic. I would love it if manufacturers uh, were able to do that and then pass on that cost break to us and then therefore we can do you see the the you know a little bit uh perhaps a rise in the industry as far as younger consumers because the price of fabric would go down that's mm. my personal thought. i'm not sure that the price of fabric is going to go down if they maybe decide it'll to level, do that you mean the digital level you mean the digital I think fabric it could. I think it could be because you've got, you can actually lower those costs because you don't have to have as high a minimums. But I do think you'll be able to see regional fabrics, right? Um, things that, you know, that would appeal to people in the Southwest or people sure. in New England mm -hmm. or people. And the reason I think that is because we, as a store, I did a, a fabric line, but the requirement was 3000 yards. Exactly. Um, and we had no problem selling it in mm -hmm. our store because it was something that was to our region that was okay. So I think to be able to say, well, um, they could sit at market with 
uh, a thousand different SKUs and say, pick the ones you want. Right. You know, so instead of... And you can print, I mean, at Spinflower, I can print just the fat quarter. Correct. Of my design. And that's correct. Yes. Yes. So they could offer as many lines as they possibly wanted. So you could really customize what was available in your store. Right. And then the fabric company simply becomes the curator of designs in a way, right? Because really, what is their role at that point? I know it's an interesting thing to think that they're printing and, you know, distributing, but... Um, but as far as like right now, we, as let's say I was a fabric designer, I'm dependent on them to print my fabric for me, which is going to be this huge amount then to bring it over from Asia and, you know, cut it up and distribute it to all of these, we bolt it. And, and so that's going to, if that, if everybody goes digital, that all of that changes and shifts in some way. Well, but, and, but also the thing about digital, I, you know, it, not every place, not every mill is the same you I mean you you really have to I mean that's with anything but you hope that the digital print would still be a good quality yes print sure yes and it has you to know, be fast fast enough yeah I mean there's so there's still technological challenges there but it's, it's just a question so it would the still only be as good as the gray goods that they printed on also so exactly. the digital printing is one yeah. thing but we're still talking about the fabric we're still looking at the substrate fabric. right Right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And that's something that the company has is proprietary to them. If it's Kona, it's Kona or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So any big topics that we didn't talk about yet that you're dying to talk about or anything big I missed before we get on to our recommendations? Uh, I'm sure there's more out there that, you know, this was just my sort of... Uh, I, I feel that things change and yet it's still so positive. Yeah. And, and you feel that when you're here. That. And, and I, of course, talk to a lot of different quilt shops and there's so much positive in this. And I actually feel also that quilting is a huge trend. And I say there's the one degree of separation, no matter who you ask in the entire world, everybody knows a quilter. So it's, it's still super popular and that feels good. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. It feels optimistic. I, th- I think we have to stay optimistic. We really do. I don't. Yes, we have to, but we can. We can. We've got right. everything. We've good need reason to, to be. Well, There's we have, good, yes. we have good, good reason, reason to be. be. You just have to focus on those good things because, again, if we focus on what the negative is, mm-hmm. then it's just gonna, you know, mm-hmm. it's it really brings. We have that choice. That's all down. Well, we there will always choice. be yeah. problems. That's why yeah. we call it work. Really? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. No, so no, I think it. I think it's very hopeful. The, the future of the industry is very. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that's a good note. Yeah. So I want to make sure we get to our recommendations. Um, so I have just one to focus on from each of you. So Janet, you wanted to recommend the Clips app for iOS. I absolutely love the Clips app. Have any of you played I with it? I, I know, know I talk about it. Nobody knows what it is. Yeah. All right. So Apple came out with it in the spring of this year, and you can actually take short videos and photographs and turn them into fun videos. Some of you saw the, the theme announcement for a row by row experience. I created that in the clips app. The entire thing is done on my phone using pictures, graphics, videos, short little clips. You move them all together. There's all kinds of super, super features. It's very easy to use and things come out so professional. Music in the background. You can have voiceover or you can record your voice while you do it. It'll have the words written at the bottom. You can correct them to make sure they're correct. It's just so many cool wow. features. I absolutely love it. Just clips another app. time sucker. It's, it's <laughs> yes, and we can use it. It's a time sucker, yes. Oh, we can use this one for our business. Okay? okay, so we've got an excuse to play in this yeah. one. Not to mention our grandchildren, yeah. but it's, it's absolutely. 
fabulous uh-huh. for business. It and once you know fun. how to use it, then you all of a sudden you know have it. all these ideas. Yeah. And, exactly. You know, have you played with it at all, Abby? I haven't, but I'm okay. going to go get it because okay. I, I need it's, to see hey, more videos. Guess what? It's free. It's free. Yeah, it's cool. Very good. Okay, Karen, you wanted to recommend your embroidery machine. So, um, so tell us about that. Um, well, you actually, I think you asked what that you didn't say. What did I want to recommend? It's like that is a cop out. No, you can change. Well, she asked me what I read, and the answer was, you know, a series about a dog named Biscuit because I was with my six-year-old grandchildren. What I've been appreciating lately in my sewing because I do a lot of design work. So I do a lot of um, classes and I design a lot of patterns and things like that. Um, The technology that goes with my sewing machine, I'm loving because I can digitize something quickly and I can stitch out my step-by-steps without having to do it repeatedly. I'm basically the machine does it for me. I just Mm -hmm. have to feed it. Um, Also opening up my customer's eyes to something that that sewing machine is capable of doing when the last embroidery machine that I sold, um, we sat down and I did actually Kimber Bell project with her um, real quick uh, in the hoop zipper, you know, bag thing. And she went, I just thought it would monogram. <laughs> like the, the idea that they don't even know what their machine is capable of doing and the small projects and the thing that they can do. And I find my customer base is doing a lot of small project things that they can give away as gifts. That's things they can get done in an evening that they can start. They, yeah, they have that quilt, the bed quilt and the things like that that they're working on, but it might take them a year to finish it. But that instant success thing, that embroidery machine and the technology and the software that goes with it, hands down, yeah. it gives you that instant success quality. Mm-hmm. That's With right. Quality. Well, machine embroidery is not what it used to be. No. You used to think it was a monogram on a towel. Exactly. And, and you can still do that. Yes. <laughs> but there's, there's still so much there's more. So much more, yeah. so yes. much more you can do. Mm-hmm. So okay. A lot of fun. And Chris, you were saying that a group of friends, you and a group of friends get together once a month and make 10 freezer meals with a company called Citrus Care. That's so exciting. I know. I was like, oh, okay. So it has nothing to do with sewing. That's okay. Maybe actually what it does allow me to do is sew more. That's right. Because I don't have to get home from work and try to figure out what I'm going to have for dinner. So once a month we get together, there's 10 of us, and we go to um, a place called Citrus Pear. And they have different places all across everywhere. I don't and know. And they have everything chopped up for you? They, yes. That's <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I all I have to do is I put on an apron, look all fancy, and I, I dump the, the stuff. They have the ingredients. And in two hours, I two hours, folks, I made 10 meals for my wow. family. They're in Ziploc bags. They're ready to go. They're healthy. And I put them in my freezer. And then I wake up in the morning. I put my thing in the crock pot and by, you know, dinner time, we've got dinner. That's great. It's fabulous. Yeah. Wow. I tell you, it has been life changing. <laughs> my, my children thought pepperoni was a vegetable. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, that $5 uh, little pizza, that comes in handy every now and then too. But I'll tell you, it has changed my life because I've been able to still have nice meals for my family. It looks like I worked really hard and two hours a month. Great. That's it. And you're with friends while you're doing it. Yeah, that's right. Which is is good. Yeah. So, well, Janet, Karen, and Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Walsh and Apps podcast. I really enjoyed talking to all of you. Thank you, Abby. Thank you. Thanks. 
And thank you. Um, to, uh, we actually have three people here in our studio audience. So thank you, studio audience, for joining us as well. And thank you to Quilt Inc. and to Bob Ruggiero, who helped to arrange the room and helped to arrange this recording. And you've been listening to the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Visit my blog, walshynaps.com, where you can sign up for my email newsletter to get the best in sewing, blogging, and small business delivered right to your inbox each week. Today's episode was sponsored by Handmade Rebellion. Handmade Rebellion offers a wide variety of creative t-shirts, hoodies, pins, and other swag for fiber artists of all shapes, ages, and sizes. Let the world know that you are part of the maker movement with style. Remember to use the code while she naps on handmaderebellion.com to save 15% off your next order with free domestic shipping over $35. Join the rebellion. Thank you so much, Handmade Rebellion. And if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.